Blog Talk Radio. Carol the Coach. Sex, love, and relationships. We talk about it here. Carol the Coach. Compassion with contemporary relevance. I am a psychotherapist. I can be your personal life coach and I can help you with your issues. There are no problems too small or too big. You can talk about anything. Speaker, columnist, radio TV host, and commentator. Carol the Coach brings messages of wellness and empowerment within reach of everyday people every day. Almost five years ago, I lost my soulmate in an accident. He was killed in a plane crash. Life just for me has seemed to stop. There are groups all over the city. I mean, I teach one. It is a specific way to start thinking so that you shift how you see the world, which then shifts your energy, and then you feel better and you actually see things differently. Carol the Coach, always available to at carolthecoach.com. Now, I've got Russell on the line. I'm 47 years old. I'm a truck driver. I am married. I have a wife in San Francisco. Okay. I haven't been home in six months. My thing is, I, I don't know if I have a sex addiction or what the problem is. Why do I want what I can't have? And as soon as I can have it, I don't want it anymore. You're right on target when you say, I don't know if I have a sexual addiction. Well, guess what? Yes, you do. And you know what? That's my specialty, Russell. So you're at the right place. Continue. I meet women online and, and I'm in a different part of the country. I, I travel all 48 states, so I love sex. I hear self-esteem issues. You never felt good enough and you didn't feel like you were getting what you should have then and you're re- Reenacting that now. Do you want to change that about yourself? I got an interesting email this week. He says, It's not just he said, it says, She said, Hi, Carol. My husband and I love the show and appreciate what you do. We have a question that we cannot find addressed anywhere else. My husband went to an intensive a few years ago. I recently learned that he was never in recovery. Since then, he has returned to the program. And here's the issue. He's having very intrusive thoughts, not only about other people, but also about me and our children. He says he can look at someone he knows who is not attractive and He's not sure what happens. He explains that it's almost as if he is photoshopping them in his mind. He can't stop thinking about the person. And it's like he doesn't know what to to do to stop the intrusive thought. My husband is a delivery driver and encounters many women a day. So it's never just one or two people a day, but multiple people. When he comes home and he looks at me, He has intrusive thoughts about my looks because I have other people telling me how beautiful I am, but the person that I love doesn't seem to feel the same way. Now, he tells me he would die without me and that there is no one else in the world he wants, but he feels like he's a prisoner in his own mind. She says, I don't want to stay in a relationship with someone who has to force themselves to look at me. And this woman is confident. She says, I'm a beautiful, strong woman inside and out. I want someone who can see and appreciate that 
all that I am. But I really wanted to be my husband. We're both scared that this is not even possible. You know, he says my body doesn't do it for him. And he also stated that he can't ever have sex with me without a name of some other woman coming up into his mind. He has been honest with me and he's told me he's not sexually attracted to me. He also has had thoughts about our children being ugly. Carol, please help us. We're desperate for advice. What is going on? These intrusive thoughts seem involuntary. So I want to tell you, I'm going to call you Evelyn. I want to tell you, Ev, that there are people that suffer from intrusive thoughts, and they usually have obsessive-compulsive personality disorder. So I want your husband to get to a, a good psychiatrist, and I want him to be evaluated for OCD, that's obsessive-compulsive disorder, and I want you to know that if his brain is being hijacked, as painful as this is, you cannot hold it against him. You can at any point decide that you're not up for this and you want to leave. But, you know, if you married him through sickness and in health, then let's see if we can't get him healthy because I'm sure he is a good man. Um, he's returned to the program. That's very good. And yet what he knows is he can't stop thinking about other people and their looks, and then he compares them to you, and it just doesn't work. Now, the truth of the matter is, Evelyn, that, you know, most human beings have some level of comparison with other people. But somebody with obsessive-compulsive disorder can't turn that off. I'm going to ask my husband, honey, do you compare me to other people that you see? He would say, sure, I do, honey. But, you know... What I know to be true is I'm with you and I love you and I look at your best points and anything that I physically don't find attractive, I put out of my mind because I am with you and I want to live my life with you for the rest of my life. Now, if somebody's brain is being hijacked by an anxiety disorder called obsessive compulsive disorder, you know, they can't help it but they need the right medication and then they need the right specialist to help them with that. Boy, if you could find a sexual addictions therapist who has obsessive compulsive training, that would be the best. So go to sexhelp.com and scroll down the directory and A, see who's available in your area, And B, if you can't find somebody who's available in your area, why don't you see if you can't find somebody who can do telehealth. Maybe they've got coaching in their background. So they can actually be with you and work with the two of you on Zoom and help you with the problem. My first preference is always face-to-face. But if you're not available to do that, Let's say you live in a remote area or an area that doesn't have counselors, let alone certified sexual addiction therapists. Then I really want you to find a specialist 
who not only deals with sexual addiction, but obsessive compulsive disorder. Okay? O-B-B. Because your husband can't help it, and I hate for him to lose his family because his brain has um, a chemical imbalance that doesn't allow him to deal with the reality of what is going on. And what I know to be true when I've worked with obsessive compulsives is that you need to repetitively teach them to think about things in a different way and just in the way that intrusive thoughts enter their mind, you can retrain the brain to have them think differently about what they see. You know, Evelyn, there's plenty of hope for you. Don't give up the battle. Family, let's see if we can't get this worked out. So let me know if you can find somebody in your area that has certified sexual addiction training and training in obsessive-compulsive disorders. That is an anxiety disorder. That means that these thoughts cause him great anxiety, and we know they cause you great anxiety. There's nothing worse than feeling like you don't measure up, and my promise to you is that you do. So stay confident. Like when you told me that there are other people that appreciate you and your your attractiveness, you said, I am a beautiful, strong woman inside and out. I want someone who can see and appreciate that. And then you said, I want it to be your husband. Hang in there. Trust the process. Get the right help. And hopefully help is on its way. Thank you for your email. I know it's rough. I'm glad to be able to help. I'm Carol Jurgensen. She's a.k.a. Carol the Coach. And, you know, I do this show every single week to teach you about modalities and techniques and therapy that's out there to help you. Tonight, I am going to be talking about something that I don't know about. Now, I'm not here to tell you I know everything, but this is something I don't know much about. And yet, some of the people I admire the most talk a lot about called internal family systems. And I got to share with you that Jenna Reimersma is an IFS expert. She's going to be sharing how the sex addict and the partner can both benefit from, benefit from the techniques and insights of IFS. And I'm super excited to be talking to her because I like to know more about what's out there. And, you know, she says this is a highly effective and compassionate way of understanding all human behavior. And it really, really works towards enduring change. She says that IFS helps people understand sexual acting out as well as safety-seeking behaviors by betrayed spouses. So this show is for you if you're an addict or if you're a spouse. It'll help you to cope with your pain and learn how to interact with others. 
So I am super excited and jazzed to learn more about something that I don't know about, and I hope you are too. Because, you know, what I know to be true is that if you're an addict, you want every tool possible to improve your life. And if you're a partner, wow, there is nobody who works harder on finding out the truth about sex addicts and for partners than somebody who's been betrayed. And so I am super happy to be talking with my listening audience, who typically are sex addicts and partners. You know, we got a lot of coaches and clinicians out there that listen to the show. I did a um, workshop the other day in Cincinnati. And all these people came up to me and they go, oh, you're Carol the Coach. I love your show. It's amazing. It just made me happy because that's what I want to do. I want to disseminate information so that you all get expert advice from people who know way more than me and can help teach us all. Because that's what, what it's all about. I mean, information is power. And power means that we can make choices. So I'm happy, happy, happy to be bringing you that. And I'm blessed to know you all in so many different ways. You know, I work with you on individual. I work with you in groups. I work with you on Zoom, a HIPAA-compliant Skype. Yeah, this is an amazing thing. Being that I'm a coach, I can work with you on, on Zoom. And that means we see each other, and it's like Skype, but it's, it's actually telecoaching. It's a way for us to work together and try to rectify everything that is going on in your life. And again, you know, it was this horrible technology that probably contributed to your problems, and now... It's this wonderful technology that brings us closer together and helps us all heal. Isn't that just like life? I mean, it's like the yin and the yang of human behavior. Find things that contribute to our problems and things that contribute to getting better. And you know what I ask. It's my favorite question. Is this contaminating your sense of self, your relationship with others, or is it contributing to it? And then I say, and I want to know, is it moving you closer to recovery, or is it moving you farther away? That is the two questions that help you to determine what do you need to do to make your life better. And that's all about recovery. And that's what we do here on Sex Help with covering all sorts of information that makes life better. Because we talk about sex addiction and we talk about partner betrayal and we talk about ways to get healthy. And that's why we're going to learn about internal family systems tonight. So I'm so happy to be introducing Jenna. On the line, Jenna, welcome to Sex Help with Carol the Coach. 
Thank you, Carol. It's good to be with you. Yes, and you've got this um, modality, this technique that you've found to be very helpful for people with sexual addiction and people who experience partner betrayal. Can you talk a little bit about IFS and what it is? Absolutely. I would love to. IFS is a fairly revolutionary new way of understanding human behavior and um, helping us to understand more effective ways to cope with our pain and our trauma and also more effective ways to interact um, with people who are causing us harm. So I have found it to be incredibly effective in working with betrayed spouses and partners and also working with people who are acting out sexually. Um, It really kind of encompasses the idea that all of us are composed of varying parts of ourselves, that none of us is just a single monolithic entity. And when we begin to understand and relate to the parts of ourselves differently, It gives us a lot of um, healing power to alter our behavior when it's causing us problematic experiences and also to know how to relate to others more effectively. Well, and so tell me, how did you first find out about this technique? I first encountered it uh, through reading a book on internal family systems and I was immediately intrigued and began to look more deeply into it and eventually uh, signed up to become a trained internal family systems therapist and um, have done my own IFS work and use it quite a bit in my private practice. And I've written a book um, that is currently in publication on internal family systems and spirituality. So it's become a very meaningful part of my work and my own personal life. Well, absolutely. And the name of that book that's in publication is? Uh, Well, the name that I've given it is Move Toward, but uh, Random House may decide to change that name, so it's still a bit tentative. Okay, so tell us how we can find out more about the book when it does come out. How will we know that the book has been published? Absolutely. Well, we have a publication date of spring of 2020, and um, it's being published with Random House. And uh, listeners are welcome to check out my website, which is Atlanta Center for RelationalHealing.com in order to get additional information when that book does come out if they are interested. Yeah, you obviously are very dedicated to this modality, and it must help people in lots of different ways. So give us a general idea of what does it mean when you're doing internal family systems work? Sure. Well, the internal family systems model proposes the idea that we all have four primary parts of ourselves. We have a central core that uh, the IFS model refers to as our self. And when we are in our self, we naturally possess a variety of qualities, compassion, curiosity, courage, clear-mindedness, creativity, 
connection. Um, Dick Schwartz, who is the originator of the model, calls these the eight C's of the self. And when we are connected with that essential essence of who we are, we spontaneously overflow with those qualities. But most of us don't walk around every day just overflowing with the eight C's. And the reason is because in our lives, we typically encounter pain um, in various ways, sometimes through abuse or neglect or through circumstances that are painful, but through no one's fault necessarily. Um, We all experience pain in a variety of ways. And the parts of us that carry that pain the IFS model refers to as our exiled parts. And those parts of us tend to be frozen in time, so to speak, at the age that they were when the traumatic experience happened. And they carry the emotions and traumatic beliefs that, uh, that were a part of that experience. So that would be things like our shame, fear, sadness, terror, loneliness, a sense of being broken or not good enough. And those parts of us, if they're unhealed, get triggered in our lives sometimes and uh, take over the qualities of ourself. And we become flooded with those emotions and feelings. And and when that happens, um, most of us feel a lot of distress and don't have the ability to tolerate that distress. And so one of two of the other parts of us typically jumps in. Um, One part that helps to manage that pain is known as our protector parts. And those are the parts of us that are proactive. They try to prevent that pain of our exiles by doing things proactively Um, to try to cause people to uh, receive us well or think positively about us or to receive positive feedback. So these would be parts of us that do things like um, perform perfectly or people please or rescue others or never say no. Um, These are the parts that serve and volunteer and um, are uh, very socially acceptable. But what's happening underneath the surface is they're actually trying to help prevent pain. When they're unsuccessful in doing that, as eventually they all are, um, then we have the last parts of ourselves, which are known as our firefighters. And the firefighters, much as their name Uh, sounds come in to put out the emotional fire of the pain and they're just interested in putting the fire out they're not really thinking about anything else that's going on um, at the time and so these are the less popular parts of ourselves these are the parts of us that act out sexually um, with alcohol with drugs these are things like cutting and self-harm suicidal ideation, homicidal ideation, dissociation. Um, And those parts of us are parts that are stuck trying to help us with our pain, but they're stuck in some very unhelpful roles. So those are, that's a brief overview of the different parts of ourselves. And IFS helps us to understand what is occurring internally for us when these parts take over and act in the ways that they do. And it gives us some skills to be able to interact with them more effectively. Well, absolutely. Now, do you see 
certain parts that resonate with sex addicts? Certainly, there's um, always the firefighter of sex addiction that is a primary uh, part that comes into our offices. And what we know to be true about sex addiction is that it is a trauma-based experience. And so behind the firefighter that is acting out sexually, there is typically one or more exiles that are carrying the pain of abuse or neglect Uh, or abandonment. And um, so in a very real sense, the firefighter is acting out in ways that the individual um, may not even want to um, because that individual nine times out of 10, if they're in a partnered relationship um, in my office, in any event, um, very much loves their significant other or their spouse and feels a lot of distress after they act out. But because that pain of their exiles is unhealed, um, the firefighter of sex addiction uh, jumps in um, almost beyond the person's uh, willful choice and acts out sexually to try to put that pain out. And in fact, in doing so, creates more pain. Yeah, I would so. And obviously, IFS works for the addict, and it also works for the betrayed. So what are some traits? that tend to, um, that you would associate with a betrayed partner when you're looking at that model of IPFS? Sure. Well, um, we many of us who uh, work in the field have betrayed partners who come into our offices and are expressing their grief and their sorrow and say things like, I think I'm going crazy. I'm doing things that seem insane and I can't seem to stop. And so part of the gift that we get to offer them is helping them to understand that they're in fact not going crazy, but experiencing very natural symptoms of betrayal trauma. And many of those things are just managers or firefighters trying to jump in to help the betrayed spouse with their betrayal trauma. So things like playing the detective and constantly searching through phone records or tracking um, the, the spouse who is acting out, um, things like going on crash diets or getting uh, liposuction or Botox or attempting to um, imitate or replicate uh, pornographic stars and their behaviors, those types of things are just ways that managers and firefighters in the betrayed spouse are trying to help them cope with their trauma. And that can be helpful for a spouse to realize that's not who she or he really is. That's just a part of them that is showing up and trying to help them with their pain. Yeah, it's no kidding. You know, it's it's similar to when a partner finds out the, that the addict has acted out with, you know, prostitutes or escorts or affair partners, he or she may decide that they're going to get very, very sexual to keep that person attracted. And, and that doesn't really help. What they really need to do is identify what do they need to do to feel safe and do mm-hmm. they need to connect. So as you work in this field with such um, so many people that are so pained, I'm wondering, 
you know, you talked about all the different parts and what does it mean. Can you share with us how does IFS help with people who are in conflict and they, you know, they're struggling with the discovery or they're struggling with having been found out? Sure, absolutely. Well, I find that it's very helpful in a variety of ways. First of all, as we compassionately care for betrayed partners who often want to know things like, how could my beloved do this to me? Doesn't he love me? Doesn't she love me? And um, in no way minimizing the damage or the effect that that acting out has had, helping someone to realize that the acting out behavior um, is about the individual's um, trauma and pain and not a reflection of the betrayed spouse can be very healing for a spouse to begin to be able to connect with the reality that, in fact, um, the acting out spouse probably does love them um, very deeply to the best of their ability And the sexual acting out was not a rejection of the partner, but really was an expression of of an attempt uh, subconsciously to try to address unhealed pain. Um, But uh, so from a partner's perspective, that can be very helpful. And similarly, for our folks who are struggling with addiction, um, in helping them to understand, first of all, self-awareness, that they're not defined by the part of them that is acting out, that they actually do have the ability to relate to that part differently. They don't have to be dominated by the acting out behavior that is so undesirable. Um, But one of the things that I love the most about IFS, in addition to giving us that space to realize that we all have many parts, is the ability to speak for our parts instead of from them. And what I mean by that is that if you can uh, think back to a time when you may have felt flooded with a strong negative emotion, um, for most of us, that's going to be a time when we are flooded by one of our exiles. So if we're flooded Um, By an exile, for example, that feels rejection. And perhaps when we feel rejected, we might have a manager that jumps in and gets very angry and rages. Um, If we get flooded by those parts, we are going to speak from them, and it's going to not help us. So what that means is we will begin to rage. We might shout or yell or call names or throw things. And um, that tends to be uh, a very ineffective way to communicate our message and to have our heart's deepest needs heard. Um, By contrast, when we practice internal family systems and we connect and notice that those parts are present, we welcome them and recognize they're trying to help us, but we invite them to step back and give us just a little bit of space so that we can access ourselves, what we refer to in IFS as our self-energy. So again, that would be those eight C's where we're calm, we're curious, we're courageous, we're clear-minded, compassionate, connected. In that space, we can speak, even in the midst of a heated conflict, for 
that part of us and be much more effective in how we resolve conflict. So speaking from self for an enraged part, we might say something like, a part of me feels enraged about you slipping and looking at pornography because what that says to me is that those women on that screen are more desirable to you than I am. That would be an example of speaking for a part rather than from a part. When we get flooded and we can't get space from those parts of ourselves, we will speak as though we are that part. And the reality is that's not who we are. Who we truly are is our authentic self. And when we connect with our authentic self, we have a much more effective way of resolving conflict, of expressing our feelings and asking for what we need and honoring each one of the parts of us. So it's a very, very effective technique for resolving conflicted experiences. Well, I love it because what it does is it uses a compartmentalization in the best of ways. You know, certainly when addicts are addicts, they compartmentalize and they love their family and they love their work and they love their life and they love their sex addiction and they compartmentalize all that. And mm-hmm. IFS sounds like it teaches people to remember that the addict or the partner, whoever we're talking about, let's talk about the addict right now, he is definitely involved in an activity that is acting out, but it's not because he doesn't love his wife. It's because he loves his addiction. And for the partner, it's not because she's not worthy. It's because he loves the addiction. And so if everybody can just kind of keep that separate, they won't take things as personally, and they'll be able to deal with it more rationally. And again, those three C's are, I love the fact that they're all very positive, given to us again. Oh, yes. The, the, the um, eight C's are calm, courageous, clear-minded, curious, compassionate, uh, creative, connected. I'm going to, I'm not remembering the ones that I've said. Um, I think I may have said a couple more than once, but in any event, (laughs) those natural qualities that overflow when we're really connected to who we authentically are and understanding that in no way does this validate compartmentalization of acting out Um, And it does not uh, explain away or minimize the impact of any type of addictive behavior. What it does is it gives us a more effective way to work with it. So we understand that, um, in fact, the addiction is really about trying to medicate pain um, that comes from unhealed trauma. And so when we understand that, we can uh, move toward the part that's acting out sexually with curiosity and compassion, um, get permission from that part to address the part of the individual that's carrying the trauma, and actually go to that exiled part, heal the trauma, and when the trauma behind it heals, it allows the sexual addiction to heal. And it has to go in that order. Um, If we take a top-down approach and just approach addiction with scaffolding that's an exterior um, behavioral change of first order, if you will, where where we're moving against 
the part that's acting out and saying just no, 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 stop, 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 um, eventually that will be ineffective um, because we've done nothing for the pain that's driving it. And so what we recognize is we must go to the pain and heal that before the sex addiction can heal. And when the pain behind it is healed, the sex addiction part, the part that's acting out, tends to naturally transform. It spontaneously transforms and it brings a much more adaptive quality to the system. So when we approach healing in that way, and it's very powerful with with IFS, how we do that in therapy, um, it's not that these parts go away or disappear, but they're transformed, they're unburdened, to use IFS language, to be able to bring the qualities Um, their helpful qualities to the individual system rather than being stuck in a burdened role that is actually adding to the pain. So it's very, very um, remarkable and effective, and it's very counterintuitive. In our culture, uh, in many therapies, in a lot of faith orientations, and in a lot of communities, we do the opposite of that. We move against the parts of ourselves and the parts of others that we don't like. And usually that's ineffective. It winds up strengthening them. And so this is a pretty radical, different way to approach healing and approach and understanding of behavior. And that is to move toward it with curiosity and therein the healing lies. And, you know, I I feel like, Every modality that is used when treating addiction is very um, compassionate and understanding and non-judgmental. But truly, IFS mm-hmm. has this flavor of accepting everything that is. By, by identifying mm-hmm. it as a part, it's almost like, well, you have a model. All parts are welcome. Can you share a little bit about that? Yes, I love this with IFS because um, if you imagine for a moment um, just being anywhere in, in our world, in our lives, anywhere at all, where you truly feel as though every part of you is authentically welcome, even the part that you feel the most shame about, Welcome without having to clean up its act, without having to change, just all parts of you are welcome. When we really breathe that in, everything can relax when, when all of us is accepted. And that is a, that's a, an almost unheard of experience. Very few people have a space in their lives where that uh, motto, all parts welcome, is truly the case. But when we understand that every part is well-intentioned, even if it's not doing good things, it allows us to really embrace this motto of all parts welcome. Every firefighter, every manager is trying to help with pain. They're doing it in ineffective ways. And what we know to be true about any burdened firefighter or any burdened manager excuse me, is that the behavior that they're stuck in is actually accomplishing the opposite of what the part is hoping for. Um, So they're very ineffective. They move us in the opposite direction. So in other words, 
if I want to be connected with people, and so I have a people-pleasing manager that tries to build relationships and help me to feel connected and accepted, the end result of people-pleasing is that I feel very alone because my relationships are going to become inequitable and I'm going to be used um, because I never say no. So it accomplishes the reverse. With sex addiction, 10 times out of 10, the drive of the sex addiction is to try to help the person feel connected and desired. And 10 times out of 10, what happens is it destroys the very relationships that could allow the person to feel connected and desired. So the parts are doing unhelpful things, but they're well-intentioned. And when we realize that every part of us is either holding the pain of our trauma or trying to help with that pain, we can authentically say, not just lip service, but authentically say all parts are welcome, even the parts that are doing awful things. Because when we welcome those parts and understand that they're trying to help, we can free them up to more effectively um, solve the pain rather than um, being stuck in these unhelpful ways of coping. And it is a, it's the very essence of grace. And I find it to be incredibly powerful. It doesn't in any way minimize the impact of bad choices or poor behavior. And it doesn't say that it's okay it's simply a more effective way of bringing about behavioral change than moving against parts of us or parts of others. Absolutely. So would you mind sharing, of course, anonymously, a case that you had anywhere in the last 10 years where you used FS to mobilize change? Oh, I'd be glad to. Um, if it's all right, just because I'm very protective of my client information, even anonymously, if I just use a um, an amalgamation of a typical client, would that be? Um, I can make Absolutely. sort of a, a combination of of typical experiences because many of these parts operate in the same way in people's lives. Um, so, for example, a typical uh, sex-addicted client that would come in to work with me, obviously, we're going to do the initial, um, what I call the scaffolding of recovery. So, we're going to get them into an SA group. We're going to do all of our assessments, make sure we've got a clear diagnosis, and uh, we're going to get a sponsor and um, work the steps and and work through um, the, the steps that we have in our, our CSAT, you know, program. So all of that is very, very important. And then um, as we drop down into um, the depth work of the, the trauma work underneath that, um, well, I'll begin to invite a typical client to turn their awareness inwards and begin to notice, for example, if we wanted to work with the part that's acting out sexually, when that part takes over, where do they notice it in and around their body? And so um, there, there will usually be a, some physical sensation somewhere, and I will have them connect with that and really notice what it's like when that part has taken them over, and then gently invite that part to unblend or give them a little bit of space so that they can get to know it. And if the part is willing to do that, and we never force, it's always, a, it's always an ask, 
if it's willing to do that, what they'll notice is there is a, a withdrawal of the sensation that goes along with that part. And so then I'll have them connect with their self energy. We'll make sure that they're in their self by asking, how do you feel toward that part? And if the answer is one of the eight C's, oh, I feel curious about it, then we know they're in self-energy and we can move forward. And so I'll just have them have an internal dialogue. And sometimes they'll have actually even a visual image of the part, you know, and say, hey, part that's acting out sexually, um, what are you trying to do for me? How are you trying to help me? And it isn't weird, crazy voodoo stuff. It's not like having, you know, it's, it's not a weird thing. You're not hearing voices, but our parts communicate with us. Some of them communicate with the impression of a word or a phrase. Some of them flash memories. It just depends. But in some way, the part will communicate what it's trying to help with. And um, so then I'll have the person ask, well, what are you afraid would happen if you didn't jump in and make me act in this way? And usually the part will communicate something like, well, I'm afraid that um, you would be stuck in all of this pain and just forever feel not good enough and not worthy. And so then we just check with that part. So are you trying to help me feel good enough and worthy? And typically the part will say, yeah, yeah, you're, that's right. And then I'll just have them interview the part. Well, where did you first come from in my life? Um, How did you learn how to help me in this way? And then often a sexual acting out part will remember back to a first exposure to pornography or a sexual abuse experience, um, whatever that might be. And as we witness this part, um, it becomes very softened and uh, really there's a trust that's developed between the part and the self. And eventually that part will usually give the self of the individual permission to move um, to the part that it's protecting, the part that feels not good enough and worthless and not worthy. And actually repeat this with that uh, exiled part and heal it. There's a healing process that we go through. And when that happens and the part that's acting out sexually observes that the exiled Um, part that holds the pain is healed it will usually transform typically the part that's acting out doesn't like the job that it is stuck in and it would rather do something most of the time completely different sometimes a sexual acting out part would prefer to um, really be sexually creative in their love making with the partner or the spouse Um, they might prefer to be a part that helps the person have high integrity. Um, It's usually the opposite of what the part was doing when it was stuck in a burdened role. Um, But that's a very common type of an IFS experience. And uh, my clients find it to be extremely powerful um, and very, very helpful because then what's driving the addiction is healed and the part no longer has a need to act out. It's, It's actually changed in its role and it's transformed. Um, so that would be a typical type of an IFS experience with someone who's seeking therapy for sex addiction with me. Okay, now, this is such interesting stuff, and I want to, to tell our, our listening audience that, obviously, this may be something that you want to pursue. 
So, Janet, give us the name of a couple of books that will help our listening audience to understand this concept better, and then I'm going to talk to you again about your website. Sure. Um, Well, I have a big resources section of my website where a number of these books are listed, Um, but Dick Schwartz, Dr. Richard Schwartz, is the originator of the Internal Family Systems model, and he is a prolific writer in addition to being um, just a a brilliant um, man and individual. And he has written a very readable book that's sort of an overview of IFS for the layperson. It's called Introduction to the Internal Family Systems Model, and it's a green book with trees on the front. Um, And there are two other Uh, resources that um, people who are interested in this approach find very helpful. One is called Self Therapy by Dr. Jay Early. And the workbook that goes along with that is called the Self Therapy Workbook by Bonnie Weiss. And those are a couple of resources that can be very useful for folks who are interested in exploring the model. Um, Many, many resources are available on the IFS website, which is selfleadership.org. And uh, they have a resources tab there, or, of course, they're available on Amazon as well. Well, and so for our listening audience, you can find more information about IFS or internal family systems by going to Jenna's website, which is www.AtlantaCenterForRelationalHealing.com or www.ACFRH.com. And again, the official IFS website is www.SelfLeadership.org. So as we begin to end for tonight, what would you tell our listening audience? I'll tell you what, they are... Uh, sex addicts, betrayed partners, coaches, and clinicians. What would you tell them about IFS that makes it a viable resource for them to look into, to be trained? Because I know you just can't do this work. You really need the training. Yes, well, the training is certainly helpful, but I do find it um really radically transformational for people without any training just to begin to understand their own experience as a result of the parts of themselves. Just that separation of knowing that their core self is at the center of who they are and um, and that their parts are not who they are. And that can be very powerful for people just even at that level. Many people have never experienced their core self and are disbelieving that it even exists, but it, without a doubt, is there inside of every person. And when our parts uh, step back enough to give us access to it, we spontaneously connect to those um, really powerful healing qualities. So without having any training in it, just recognizing that every battle that you face is because you have parts at war, either internally within yourself or your parts are battling with someone else's parts externally. 
And so that can help give us a lot of self-compassion and self-awareness, but also help us very much when we're interacting with someone who has parts that activate our parts. Um, And so perhaps we have a, a person dealing with sex addiction who has raging parts, and those raging parts might activate a betrayed spouse's get small parts. Um, Those are parts at war. That's not who either of those people are, and just that awareness can be very empowering. Um, The self-therapy book and workbook can be helpful to kind of take it to the next step if people have an interest in beginning to explore their own parts. And obviously connecting with an IFS trained therapist like myself is a great way to really do the work fully um, in a therapy setting if that's something that uh, feels appealing. And there's a list of IFS trained therapists on that self-leadership website. So there's a variety of ways that this can be helpful, um, even if you're not able or interested in going to the full uh, depths of doing your own IFS therapy work, uh, the the model can still be very, very helpful and very effective. Yeah, I so appreciate you sharing this important work. People, clinicians have been talking about IFS for at least the last decade, and I've been dying to know more about it. So hopefully we spread an interest in the helping community and for our clients who no longer want to be pathologized but want to understand their different parts so that they can work through them, accept them, and, and move beyond to develop new parts that they feel more comfortable with. Jenna, thank you so much for sharing IFS with us tonight. It's my pleasure, Carol. Thank you so much for having me on the show today. So that was Jenna, and she really, that is her modality. We all have modalities that we work from, and, and that sounds like such an important one. Hope that you'll look look into that, if that resonated with you. You know, one of the things that I know is that this work is grueling. You're going through a lot of trauma, whether you're the addict, the partner, or part of the family, and we want you to know there's help out there. We are here to help you. So, Please, when you hear about something that sounds right, contact that website, see what's available, and um, don't hesitate to actualize your potential. As you know what I say at the end of every show, there will only be one of you at all times. So I seriously want you to have the courage to be yourself. I'm Carol the Coach, and we'll see you next week for more Sex Help with Carol the Coach.